we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio, CFRO, on unceded and ancestral Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, April the 8th. 2022. My name is Allison Cole, and I am back here with my special guest, Frank Metivier. You can say hello, Frank. Hi, guys. <laughs> we'll be presenting an hour of updates in animal activism in both BC and Quebec in the past few weeks. Uh, we also have some special guests who I will announce soon. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me, please. Yay. Okay. Um, This has all been super last minute and we are ready to go. So if you've been watching the news or subscribe to our Facebook posts at Animal Voices Vancouver, you'll know that the case of the Excelsior 4 is back in action as the pretrial at the BC Supreme Court for BC activists Amy Serrano, Nick Schaefer, Roy Sassano, and Jeff Regeer has been running these past two weeks in preparation for the four-week actual trial that is set to take place starting on June the 27th. The four activists, now known as the Excelsior Four, have been charged with a total of 21 indictable offenses for exposing masses of animal cruelty taking place at the Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford, B.C. in 2019. These offenses include the day of the Meet the Victims Canada action on April the 28th, 2019, which roughly 200 activists took part in, and Animal Voices was there that day reporting live. Today's show is dedicated to peeling apart more of the layers of this three-year-long case. The pretrial ended a day early yesterday, and later in the show, we will have one of the Excelsior Forum members Roy Sassano, or I should update my script to say two of the Excelsior Four members. Do you want to say hi? Because you're actually here in the studio right now. Hello. Hello, hello. So we have Roy Sassano and Nick Schaefer, as well as Kira, if you want to say hi, Kira. Hello. Nice to have you here. Like I said, this all happened basically in the last couple hours, and um, I'm adaptable. What can I say? (laughs) Okay, so we're going to have a great interview later in the show, and they will discuss with us their thoughts on how the pretrial went and to disclose more information with regards to actions of the Abbotsford Police and the BCSPCA in this matter. The BCSPCA is under fire by animal activists at this time, and since hundreds of hours of animal cruelty video footage was submitted to them in 2019 from the Excelsior Hog Farm. They decided to do nothing with enforcing animal cruelty laws and have since stated that their charity organization is not equipped to be doing animal cruelty investigations at farms and that they would like this responsibility of theirs to be dropped. More on this soon. But first, I'd like to introduce, uh, which I kind of already did, our special, (laughs) but more formally, our special guest, Frank Metivier, to the show, who has special insights on everything we are going to discuss today. That's because you're a full-time animal rights activist, right, Frank? Uh, trying to be anyway. Yeah, yeah well, bonjour. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Bienvenue. Thank and uh, yeah, thank me. Thank you for joining me today on Animal Voices. Um, you are active as an activist all over Canada and perhaps other parts of the world. I'm not sure. And we actually had you on the show just over three years ago to discuss your persona as the vigorous vegan vagabond. Are you still vigorous? I'm still vigorous. Okay, good to know. <laughs> And you travel around in your van doing animal activism. Your van's outside, I heard, because uh, someone 
parked next to it who is in the station with us. So you and I are Facebook friends, and I can see that as part of your activism, you make a point of really of sharing really interesting experiences of yours on your social media, including so many interactions that you've had with people who have seen your van. I've been wanting to have you on the show to tell us more about those recent experiences, but you are going to be rolling out of town soon for more adventures, I understand. Uh, However, in the news last week, a major victory for the animals in Quebec was reported, and you had, I understand, uh, a a pretty significant role to play in this. It's regarding the cruelty of the sled dog industry, an industry that prevails in Canada, mainly in Ontario, in Quebec. We have covered this topic on the show before. If you want to search Uh, sled dogs on animalvoices.org you'll see an excellent interview that we've had with Fern Levitt who is the filmmaker of the film called Sled Dogs which came out um, roughly I don't know I want to say like it's been about 10 or 8 years or so and that really opened the eyes of the sled dog industry to Canadians but certainly not enough because until recently we haven't been seeing this industry be shut down so uh, Toronto activist Jenny McQueen who's uh, a Facebook friend of mine as well she posted uh, this incredible story last week and that's where I saw that you were involved so what happened is the owner of Milu, which is a sled dog company in Quebec, it was bought out a couple of years ago, I understand, by a woman who wanted to do better by the dogs. And it turned out that that wasn't, that wasn't going to happen. So as of last week, they shut down the, the operation and they actually had, this is shocking to me, uh, they had an do- adoption day last weekend for the dogs. I'm wondering if you can tell us more about this whole case and, and, and how you were involved? Yes, for sure. Um, I feel like uh, the dog sledding industry is not really known to the public yet, but uh, there is definitely more uh, images coming from these industry and these companies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a, actually a W5CTD expose that came last February. And they were taking up, talking about the whole industry as a whole in Canada. Right, right. And that made a lot of, I think that they made a lot of impact because the video was uh, well seen and, you know, it was on the news. So in that expose, I was part of it as filming many companies throughout Canada, a lot of drone footage. I think I got above 30 companies overall. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe there are that many. Were they in Ontario and Quebec? They're all over the place. Okay. But there's over 100 uh, companies in Canada. So I I got about 30 just to show that this is regular practice. And what are these regular practices? Training dogs uh, most Mm -hmm. of their lives to a pole, like five to six foot uh, long chain. Mm Mm-hmm. And they live in barrels or in a little shed. So th- they are used as commodity, you know, for the companies to make profit from. So in, a, in that expose, there was also uh, a company you just mentioned, Milu, in Quebec, that was uh, exposed. Um, and a lot of activists from Quebec and Ontario uh, did some investigation there two years ago. And on top of the animal abuse of chaining um, them most of the, their lives, they found in the backyard, in the shed, like some dead puppies that were gassed to death in homemade gas chamber. Right. So that was really... And that's what happens to these dogs. We've, we had the horrible case of the Whistler sled dogs yeah. where over 100 bodies were exhumed from the ground. So this is not, this is industry standard. Well, I'm not saying that they all gas their dogs or puppies, but it's standard practice to kill some of their dogs. I'm not saying also that all companies do that, but it's regular practice because as a business, if they have too many dogs, they cannot, uh, you know, have enough money to feed them. And it's still like, companies to make money so mm-hmm. there's a conflict there if there's too many so that's a way how they dispose dogs it's totally legal to shoot a sled dog 
if they... Yes, I remember seeing that in the Sled Dogs film, and yeah, animals are regarded as property. Thank you so much for being a part of this uh, this whole investigation. And, you know, one key thing that I remember is that uh, Sled Dog owners would say, these dogs are not adopt- adoptable because they're Sled Dogs, they're working dogs, they're used to the outdoors and the snow. But that could not be further from the truth. Uh, I saw the photos. Those dogs were so happy to have a, a forever home with a family. Uh, of course. Obviously, these dogs are no different than any other dogs or animals. They have feelings. They want to, you know, be not harmed. They want to be free as much as possible. And, um, yeah, they're, they rescued about 55 dogs last weekend. That's amazing. It's like the dream of every animal rights activist. Yeah. To save dogs that are suffering and to put them into It's such a happy ending, finally. Uh, It's posted on our Facebook page at Animal Voices Vancouver if you want to learn more. We will get back with you you in a bit, Frank, and we're just going to take a little break right now. Perfect. This is your big chance, so don't blow it. We're here to present the cutting-edge radio you want to hear. What about a program featuring just local Vancouver bands? No market for that. We have an expert on gospel music. You know, our public affairs programs dig deep with voices other stations won't touch. No. Programs with First Nations hosts? Sorry, no market for that. We've got a lot of shows in other languages for people all over the world. Folk music? You're kidding, right? Who would sponsor that? Can't make big bucks with programs people want to hear? You have to go to co-op radio for that. Community-owned radio. Now at 100.5 FM... The switch is on. So, Frank, we are back. You uh, you had an interesting day last Friday, April the 1st. 17 police cars, three paddy wagons, and 30 police officers, including the gang task force of the Vancouver Police Department. They came out for you last week, didn't they? Yeah, I feel like we were in a movie set. <laughs> Straight out of a movie. And this is no April Fool's joke. Despite it being April Fool's that day, you were one of the six peaceful protesters who entered the BCSPCA main office in Vancouver last Friday to ask for a meeting to speak with CEO Craig Daniel. Now, um, now we have someone here who is the who was the main organizer of that event. Hi, Zoe. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Thank you for being here on the phone with us today. And uh, can you tell us about the purpose of this sit-in protest event at the BC SPCA headquarters last week? Yes. So we we have long-standing, very significant concerns about the ability of the BC SPCA to enforce animal cruelty laws on farms here in BC. Especially your hog farm, which was brought to light during Meet the Victims Canada, is it's one instance where we where we see really abhorrent treatment and abuse occurring. The BCSPCA has made it clear in their own words, uh, specifically as stated by their CEO Craig Daniels in a letter, that they are incapable of enforcing animal cruelty legislation on farms. So our intent with the sit-in was to have them relinquish their current enforcement duties, a crucial first step in the process of ideally this area of enforcement being taken over and overseen by the Ministry of Agriculture. Right. 
So, um, so you were there last week. I unfortunately was unable to attend, but I did happen to see the live, the live stream video footage of the sit-in, as we'll call it, while it was happening. I, I was a bit surprised, but then not so surprised, knowing the tenacity of the animal activist community. It was, it was a surprise. You surprised me, Zoe. So you were there. I watched you read your statement for the BCSPCA, and I'm wondering if you could please reread that statement out now as you had presented it at the BCSPCA headquarters in Vancouver last Friday. Yes, definitely. All right. I have it on standby here. Okay. First and foremost, please know that this is a peaceful event. We are committed to a completely nonviolent approach and will conduct ourselves meeting with the utmost of respect and safety for everyone present. We wish the SPCA employees no ill whatsoever. Rather, our actions today seek to amplify greater systemic problems within the BCSPCA organization as a whole. We are here because we're concerned about the ability of the BCSPCA to adequately enforce animal cruelty laws. Animal agriculture has a long history of unchecked animal cruelty in the province, and we are appalled by the ongoing systemic failure of the BCSPCA to protect animals from documented harm taking place at factory farms. For instance, workers at Excelsior Hog Farm were filmed committing clear violations of the code of practice and have faced zero consequences. Workers were filmed shocking pigs in the face with electric prods, repeatedly hitting and kicking these animals, and cutting off the tails and testicles of pigs with no pain relief, and nothing has been done about that. This is one example of many. It's clear that the provincial government needs to step up and take over the enforcement of animal cruelty laws. The BCSPCA relinquishing their current enforcement duties is the first step within this process. Luckily, the BCSPCA CEO, Craig Daniel, agrees with us admitting in a letter to the Ministry of Agriculture, obtained through FOI, that the SPCA is incapable of enforcing animal cruelty on farms. If the organization itself is also recognizing these shortcomings, of which have horrific consequences to animals, then something must be done immediately to change the current enforcement agency. As such, we will not be leaving today until the BCSPCA commits to stepping down from enforcing animal cruelty laws for farm animals. We have shared our concerns and ask of the BCSPCA with the media, who will also be waiting for your response today. Until that time, we will remain seated here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for that, Zoe. And can you explain for us uh, how long were you in the office? Did Mr. Daniel come out? And what was the resulting outcome of this peaceful protest? All right. So we entered the office uh, just after 9 o'clock in the morning. When we left, which is when we were arrested, I, I believe it was around 5 p.m., by, by that point. Wow. We, unfortunately, we were not given the opportunity to, to communicate with Craig Daniel in some capacity, uh, be it, you know, by, by Zoom or, or by phone. And that, that was disappointing because I, I genuinely believe that that could have been a really constructive dialogue. So we, we were all arrested under the charge of mischief and, and taken away. So currently myself and my cohorts have a standing order which indicates that we cannot communicate with one another in any capacity, mm -hmm. uh, nor, nor can we visit that SPCA location. So I have a date in June uh, to give fingerprints, followed by a court date. And the way
one of the supervising police officers gives a recommendation to Crown as to whether or not they feel the charges should proceed. So to my knowledge, at this time, that recommendation hasn't happened yet. Okay, Zoe, we shall continue here with uh, without you as to uphold the standards by which you were arrested. Thank, yeah. you, thank you for always advocating for the animals, and thank you for sharing with us. Uh, despite everything that's happened, I hope you have a nice weekend. Thank you, and again, thank you for the invitation and for providing an opportunity to, to have this discussion. Thank you, Zoe. Take care. You too. So, Frank, as you mentioned, you were one of the peaceful sit-in protesters at this event. And, Kira, we have you here as well. I mean, we just happened to have the media contact for that event as well. Did you, did you want to say what your role was in that event that day? Sure. So on Friday, April 1st, I was outside um, the BC SPCA alongside um, – a couple dozen activists who were there in solidarity with the peaceful sit-in protesters who were um, inside the BCSPCA. And uh, my job specifically was to uh, ensure that any media that came on site were directed to um, our sp spokesperson, uh, Jordan Reichardt, um, to, be, uh, to receive his statement, as well as to uh, ensure that... Um, the messaging that we want to convey is conveyed uh, appropriately and accurately, uh, specifically around ensuring that the BC SPCA steps down from enforcing animal cruelty laws at commercial farms, especially because we know that they can't, and they even said themselves, they, they don't have the capacity to do so. Right, and I did see Jordan speak to the mainstream media there. He did a really good job. Um, Frank... I'm wondering, what was the experience like for you? I can't believe you were in there that long. I would have never have lasted. I go to the bathroom every half hour. Uh, <laughs> what was the tone like in in the sit-in? You were in the lobby. Was it, in fact, peaceful? It cannot be more peaceful than that because we got in around 9, like Zoe was saying, and we just sat down on the floor with signs. And nobody was talking or standing up or, you know, moving too much, um, and only Zoe was talking to mm -hmm. uh, the officer there, and yeah, it lasted like a good nine hours, um, it's a bit uncomfortable, obviously, uh, but no big deal, really. As I was saying before the show, you're adaptable, yeah. I've seen that, you have many skills, one of them is sitting for a long time, I see now. Yeah, I guess I've <laughs> yeah. practiced meditation that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, overall it was, you know, just a bit uncomfortable, but we felt we had to do it uh, to uh, make a point and for the animals. Right. Um, the worst thing for me was after, when we got arrested. Please tell us about that. Yeah, so, you know... The officer told us we were under arrest, so they handcuffed me and everybody, one by one. I got escorted outside. Um, I got my rights read just before entering the paddy wagon. And I got into that wagon. i never been there before. I've never seen the inside of that. A paddy wagon. Yeah. First time experience. First time. And, you know, I, I sat down, and it's a pretty tight spot. And on my left, across two uh, windows, was uh, Olivia, another person arrested. And they closed the two doors, and then, you know, there's no light. You cannot see outside. It's very small. Mm -hmm. And I asked uh, Olivia how she was feeling, and she said, I don't feel too good. I, I'm claustrophobic a bit. So I said, oh, you'll be fine. And then I started realizing that, I was also claustrophobic, so uh, I was just uh, immersed by the, or surrounded by this emotion of, like, anxiety, um, you know, heart beating super fast. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not feeling good at all, and I was thinking, oh, I'm having a panic attack. I 
almost never had that in my life, but this this was about to happen. So um, obviously, Olivia really helped me out just to uh, you know just to support me, and we kind of support each other because we're both feeling pretty bad. So it lasted maybe an hour overall. We got to the station. And we could feel we were not moving anymore for a while, but we s still stayed in the wagon for, it felt like an eternity, maybe half an hour. So, yeah, when they opened the door, it was all, all better. But this experience really made me have so much more empathy for animals. Yeah, the pigs in Excelsior. The pig in Excelsior and all the farm animals, the, the animals in zoos and aquarium and lab testing, they all are in enclosures, and they cannot get away. And most of them, lives. no, I was there for an hour. It felt yeah. like horrible. I cannot imagine how the, your whole life can be living this way. And they all end up in a truck, usually, in the, to go to the slaughterhouse. And, uh, and the thing is, they do have short lives, all, but it can be an eternity, so... Uh, you know, all animals are killed in the farm industry as juveniles or babies. Yeah. Um, Kira, I'm wondering uh, if you can speak a bit about, you know, part of uh, Zoe's very strategic. She wants media attention to get, we all want media attention to get this really noticed, right, so that people start caring about these issues. And I'm wondering if you could speak on how this was, uh, you were there as a media contact, how was this received in the media according to your your opinion, your, your experiences? Uh, I found that um, there were a few, just a couple um, mainstream media that picked up the story initially. And uh, over the weekend, uh, we were actually drafting a press release to go out Monday morning just really highlighting the grotesque um, show of power from the Vancouver police and how many officers were there. And not only that, but they were strategically hiding themselves around the corner. So the activists that were in solidarity outside of the BCSPCA didn't notice until they already had gathered in mass. Because uh, they were peaceful and they mm -hmm. weren't, you know, that, that, that should be said. There were quite a number of activists outside as well making a presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not something we would expect because yeah. we're peaceful. <laughs> it was yeah, a, it I really felt it was blow, blown out of proportion. Do, do you? Yeah, it was overly dramatic for six activists who many, many times had declared that they were peaceful, that they were nonviolent, that they had no ill will against any of the staff, and that they only wished to have a compromise in having conversation with CEO Craig Daniel, um, in which the BCSPCA chose to not allow that conversation to have it happen and ultimately have over 30 officers arrive with the gang task force and the paddy wagons to arrest these six activists. Um, it, it's truly just a waste of resources. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, I think uh, Nick commented <laughs> that uh, don't they have – crime to be, don't they have crime to be tackling in Vancouver? Is that something to the effect that you said, Nick? Yeah, something along yeah. those lines. You'd think that there is something a little more important that the uh, Vancouver right. Police Force could be taken care of, but right. apparently not. So we're, we're going to get back to this uh, more in a bit, and we're just going to take a quick break right now. You are listening to Animal Voices on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM CFRO. 100% listener-sponsored radio, broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. So for our future interview... I'll redo that. For our feature interview this week, uh, we are speaking with Roy Sassano and Nick Schaefer and Frank and Kira can join in if you'd like. This is to hear about some updates and thoughts on the Excelsior 4 case, which 
concluded its two-week pre-trial yesterday. The BC animal activists, known as the Excelsior Four, Amy Serrano, Roy Sassano, Nick Schaefer, and Jeffrey Gear, are being charged by the Crown with a total of 21 indictable offenses and up to a combined 210 years in prison for exposing egregious animal cruelty at the Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford, BC, in early 2019. This is a factory farm housing thousands of pigs from birth to slaughter. This is where your bacon comes from if you eat that and live in British Columbia. This farm is known to be the best of the best in terms of a high standard of animal welfare in BC and the country. But what I and 50 other activists saw that day inside the farm would blow your mind. Bleeding and dead pigs piled in the dumpster outside the barn. And inside the barn, mother pigs packed into tiny gestation crates where they cannot move or even turn around, infected with open wounds, such as many pressure sores from being pushed against the bars all the time, large balls of tumors on their bodies, open gashes and bleeding, and exhibiting common signs of stereotypy and constantly swinging their heads back and forth, biting the iron bars of their stalls and foaming at the mouths. I even witnessed one laboring mother give birth to a malformed fetus. She was in pain for hours, plus the deep stench of ammonia in the air due to an open floored toilet, which was very difficult to breathe in, and not to mention feces everywhere. Roy... Kira, Nick, you were all there too. Uh, yeah. Does this bring back memories? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, actually, uh, Kira, your reflection, because uh, you were sitting down in front of uh, Mother Pig uh, when you were describing that again to me, that really brought me back, and I'm wondering if you should talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, uh what kind of brought back this reflection is just listening in on the pretrial hearings, which obviously I'm not going to say much more to that um, with the ban in effect, but uh, the mother sow that was in front of me, she was lethargic. She looked sad. And, you know, I really felt that she was asking me to help her as were all the pigs in front of all the, the activists inside Excelsior Hog Farm that day, we all saw the pure emotion within their eyes that they were trapped, confined in those gestation crates. And they saw we were all here free. We were all free outside of the bars and that we could have helped them. And it, it's devastating knowing that we didn't and we all left and we're all free. And... You know, even though the Excelsior Four is on trial, they've many times themselves have said that they still have it easy in comparison to animals on agricultural farms and being exploited and killed in the industry. Nick, I know you have a lot of thoughts, and you were there that day. What would you like to say about that day, Meet the Victims Canada in Abbotsford, B.C.? Yeah, there was just a lot of emotion that day. There was a lot going on. Um, and I think, I mean, Kira summed it up great in that, in that statement, but I'd say the hardest part about that day wasn't, you know, the activity that happened. It wasn't what we were doing. It wasn't the, you know, repercussions that we might face. Um, it's the fact that we all got to leave there and we weren't able to take anyone with us. Every one of those pigs, I mean, is not still there. They're They've all been killed by now, I would assume. Um, yeah, long, long <laughs> ago. That place houses up to 15,000 pigs. And if you just think about that amount of animals in one place, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Like, I can't even think of what 15,000 pigs would look like. Um, and to think they just go through it, you know, every single day. And it's just this giant cog that just never stops turning. Yeah, I mean, the room that we're in, um, called, as I understand, the mating room, I, I would myself call it the gestation room, where the mother pigs were in tiny gestation crates. 
I counted around 200 in there. Yeah. Th- that was overwhelming enough, and I can't believe you just said 15,000. There were multiple barns, 15,000. Yeah, there's a and lot a lot of a lot of animals in there, and can we just go back to how disgusting it is that it's called a meeting room when yeah, we all know that we it's... Can, we can describe why, because <laughs> I actually only learned from Zoe after the fact that there was that mating section. Do you want to describe that? Yeah, so a mating room isn't really, like, quote-unquote, a mating room. Um, it's a room where all of these pigs are housed in the gestation crates. Um, you know, they can't move forward, back. It's, the crates are no bigger than the size of their body. And they're just artificially inseminated. Um, there's no, quote-unquote, lack of a better term, lovemaking happening in that room. Um, I, I remember there was a, a male pig in there. Do you want to... Yeah. Say what that that is for. Yeah, he basically there's it's someone's job to masturbate that pig and then artificially inseminate all of the uh, mother pigs with uh, his semen, and that's basically the extent of the mating room. Right. Right. And uh, Roy, of course, I, I remember seeing you there as well. Um, what do you want to say about your? your impressions of that day, April 28th, 2019? Uh, I shut off a lot of my brain at the time, and but it occurred to me afterwards one thing, uh, that for those handful of pigs, uh, that was the first and last time they would ever experience any kindness mm-hmm. in their lives, and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I still, I can't really dwell on that fact. Um, in my day-to-day life, it, it passes. I have to push it out of my mind just to, uh, just to go through things. And, um, uh, yeah, that's that's my biggest takeaway. Just, uh, you know, anytime I look at those pictures, just looking into their eyes and the, the deep sadness, you know, you, you might never see a soul more broken than that. Right. And, you know, all of us are saying these things about the feeling the, this empathy for those animals, which I think, regular people would as well. I know um, when I show these images to, to meat eaters, the videos, the pictures, they actually can't look at it. Mm-hmm. I've gotten used to watch, looking at photos of animal cruelty, right? That's my job. That's our jobs, all of us here. So perhaps we're a bit more, we're a bit more desensitized because we're dealing with these photographs and videos all the time. Being there in person was definitely, oh my goodness, that was, it was just so emotional. But but people can't stand to see these images. And I've had people say to me, no, 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 don't show me that. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do one of you want to comment on on that kind of reaction? I can definitely empathize with that because I don't want to see it. Who wants to see it? And uh, in a way, it might be worse for them because I can see it and say, I'm not I'm boycotting that kind of thing. I might not be doing much. I might not be doing enough, but at least I'm not actively contributing to it for someone who has to try to find a way to incorporate that into their uh their image of themselves as not an evil person i don't know how how they can do that without losing their minds um they probably should go vegan yeah it's just so easy these days to just not eat meat Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you don't like seeing the truth of what's happening then stop contributing to it It's, it's not that hard it's 2022 there's Aisles and aisles of vegan products. <laughs> like, right. You don't need to be eating animals anymore. It's the easiest solution. You know, my heart is actually beating so hard just from like talking about that day. I don't know if I don't know if the same is for for you, but I know you've been obviously have been going through that day a lot, being in pretrial too. Of course, Kara, is there something you wanted to say about that? Um, yeah, just hearing Nick and Roy, and of course you, Allison, talking about it again. It I just really do recall one of the moments where it really struck me as we were leaving the property at Excelsior Hog Farm uh, on that day and as we were approaching the hundred or so activists who were um, off the property outside, they were singing the liberation song. And it was really bittersweet in in a sense that we were able to bring light to the suffering of those animals in the barn, but the liberation song, it wasn't, they weren't liberated. Right. And 
when we speak about, well, you spoke that that was the first and only time they would receive any love or kindness, any human affection whatsoever. Um, apparently, the Abbotsford Police doesn't think that. You have 21 indictable offenses between the four of you, Amy Serrano and Jeffrey Year, are not here today, but maybe they're listening right now. And I wonder if, uh, if Roy, if you can clarify what all the charges are for. I know one of them is mischief. That's always a big one. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Nick's got a handle on this one. Um, looking at his charges recently. Yeah. Um, I looked at them too yesterday for research because Roy, you told me you can look them up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, they're all public. Um, yeah, we are facing 21 indictable offenses, which, as you probably know, is the highest criminal charge in Canada. Um, each, so they are break and enter with the intent to commit mischief, um, with each charge holding a potential of 10 years in prison. So that's a combined 210 years in jail total if, you know, everything comes to the worst case scenario. Um, I think Amy and I each have seven indictables. Uh, Roy, you have four? Yeah. Yeah, four, and Jeff has three, I believe. I thought he had more, but that makes sense math-wise. Math-wise. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what we're facing. Um, it's outrageous. Um yeah, there's a lot. And just to clarify, sorry, there the, the are two different types of charges. One is the break and enter to commit the indictable offense of mischief, Correct. and the other charges are the indictable, indictable offense of mischief. Oh, mischief. So, yeah. So I, I, I bet a lot of our listeners don't really like mischief. What's that? Can one of you explain how serious that charge is, what, what it actually means? Mischief is what they charge you with when they can't think of anything to charge you with. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I guess we can go kind of to the definition of it, roughly. Yeah, uh, mischief, I believe, is the one. It, it's more of a charge than the break and enter. Um, yeah, kind of. It's, yeah. They're linked together, so it's it's kind of weird. But uh, because in order to break and enter to commit an indebtable offense, there has to be an indebtable offense. And the indebtable offense is mischief, which is uh, defined roughly as uh, interfering with someone's enjoyment, lawful, lawful enjoyment, or lawful use. Of, of property, quote, property, unquote, in this case, um, largely speaking about the animals. Right, and that's what you're, you're going to be standing trial for, so that needs to be proven in court that there was there was um, harm caused to those animals by our presence there. And, uh, you know, you've got good lawyers. So um, I only recently learned before the pretrial started that a rather, I learned this from you actually, Nick, uh, there's, a, there's a rather significant turn in the case that surrounds the issue of an SD card, a key piece of evidence, which was, I'll put in air quotes, lost, allegedly lost by the Abbotsford police. How can they lose a key piece of evidence? That just blew my mind. So we haven't spoken about that on the show before. As I said, I only recently learned that. And I think our, this part is little known for our listeners who have been following the story. I'm wondering if um, Roy or Nick, if one of you can please tell us about the saga of the lost SD card. I'll jump in there. Um, so that was something we've been holding on to inside, knowing that for years. And finally, right before pretrial, uh, it was on the record, and we could actually uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, so... Um, we learned that, uh, in Mar and this was in the media, in March 2019, uh, Excelsior Hog Farm found uh, hidden cameras in their barns, and uh, reported a break and enter related to that. Uh, so cameras and SD cards were taken by the Abbotsford police, uh, likely containing many, many hours uh, showing uh, animal cruelty uh, within Excelsior Hog Farm, and somewhere in this whole process, the Abbotsford police apparently lost those SD cards, lost all the footage, uh, and honestly lost a key piece of evidence uh, that uh, uh, we'd, we'd like to use for our defense. That's rather inconvenient. What do you <laughs> think, Nick? Yeah, it's super inconvenient. Um, it sounds pretty convenient for them, but... Um, I, <laughs> 
we have to choose our words incredibly carefully here because there's things that we've learned in the last two weeks that we obviously can't talk about. There's things that we've learned before a, pre-trial that we can. There's a publication ban right. on the pre-trial. We will note we won't get too much into that because right. it's silly. You just can't talk about what's happened in, in court in the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. We can't. Anything that has been discussed in court or learned or come out in court, we can't talk about. Um so, yeah, I mean, I really am excited for this ban to lift so we can kind of delve into everything that has, you know, been uncovered in the last two weeks um, because there's a lot and it's it's incredibly interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can't really say much more than Roy has already said. Um, we can only talk about what we what we knew before going into pretrial. Yeah. Uh, uh, all these names. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> what did that? Frank has a question. I'd <laughs> just ha- like to ask you a question, uh, Roy and Nick. Uh, well, first, I was uh, assisting the trial, like, or the pre-trial, as you saw, a couple of days, mm-hmm. maybe seven days total, so... That's a lot. I think uh, about every day. Almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank. Yeah, no worries. Just even being in the courtroom was stressful for me. I cannot imagine how... It is for you guys. They seem cool. I was sitting right behind Nick one day. (laughs) I mean, I can see your face. Anyway, (laughs) much respect uh, to you guys and the dedication you have for the animals. And I think you have a lot of support. And my question would be, what is your overall feeling about the whole pre-trial? I want to know, too. Well, yeah, uh, thank you, Frank, and, and obviously thank you, Zoe, Kira, for uh, that action and, and for being part of all of this uh, and everything, all the other things that you're, uh, you've been involved with for, for the animals. Um, what I'll say is that going into trial, we had a media release that explained uh, that our lawyers were going to be arguing a few things in pretrial. Um, first off, uh, that... During pretrial, we'd be making some applications uh, regarding some actions, uh, arguably misconduct by the police and SPCA uh, that uh, might lead to some charges being dismissed. Uh, and we're also making applications to obtain more information regarding things such as the missing SD cards uh, so that if we can obtain that information, we could use that for our defense. Um, and I can say that uh, that was our intention going in. And I can say that every single day uh, we came out with uh, huge smiles or sometimes large smiles on, <laughs> on some other days that were, that were less exciting. Uh, and overall, going out of the whole thing, um, I feel really good. Like we, we said a year, two years ago that through this whole process, like we know in our hearts and, and that, uh, uh, you know, we're doing the right thing, uh, and and that we also think that uh, that everyone else is going to look like a jerk, because um, we know that Excelsior did something wrong, we know that the SPCA did something wrong, we know that the Abbotsford Police did something wrong, and I probably stand, stand by that, and the people who are there know what I'm talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I feel the same way as Rye. I feel, I feel pretty good coming out of everything. Um, and Frank, I think... If you were up there in the same situation as us, I think you would feel as good as we do about the whole situation because I know where your heart is at in all of these issues. Um, If you were to go to trial for any of the sled dog stuff that you had uncovered, um, I know that you would be feeling the same way um, because you know that your heart is in the right place. You know what you did is right. You know what you're doing is right. And if that's, you know, the mindset that you're going into these things with, um, you know, you can't really feel like, feel shitty going into it. I mean, I feel pretty positive. You live by your high values and ethics towards compassion towards other beings to be in this place. Yeah. And like Amy keeps saying in her, in her quotes, um, literally no repercussions that they give us can compare to what those animals go through on a daily basis. And even if we do face jail time, even if we do, you know, see jail time, we will walk out of jail eventually. With our throats intact, <laughs> our throats intact, our lives intact, maybe a little beaten and bruised, but we will be out, and those animals never will. That's right. That's a really great attitude. Um, so I, you know, feel free to answer this how you may. I don't know uh, what you're allowed to say, but uh, witnesses, there's going to be witnesses at the court. Is there anything you can say about that? Not too much. Yes, there will be witnesses. 
And uh, as part of the process of uh, establishing clearly um, how the, the process is, has failed animals, has failed activists, has been biased against activists, has been biased against animals and in favor of industry, uh, there will be witnesses that will have to kind of um, explain certain things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and we look forward to it. We can say that. Yeah. Yeah. I can just I can't say anything, but I can I can definitely say that knowing what we know, you are not gonna want to miss trial. <laughs> Twenty seven. <laughs> Abbotsford. Should be, should be in Abbotsford. Should be a little surprise yeah. I have to say, uh, during a pandemic, it's the best entertainment out there. Just got to <laughs> drive out to Abbotsford. I was, I was really enthralled. I want to be there every day. I'm going to do what I can. Um, quick question: You, the four of you, decided to go with a, a jury. Can mm -hmm. you tell us more about that? What was the other option? Why choose a jury to be judged by? Um, yeah, we definitely. I mean, there's a couple of things. Like a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Each of our lawyers talked to us about the uh, about the differences. The jury, I think, who knows who you're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, judge, you get a better idea. But given our charges, uh, when when, I, when the question was brought to me, I, I said, you know, I think the jury uh, will be better. I think they'll be more open. They'll to, be more open. Yeah, to understanding to understanding our our motivations and how that plays into it and. Um, and looking at uh, the bigger picture, uh, the diff different types of defense that might be somewhat unusual um, and, and be open to listening to that. Uh, and, and, you know, honestly, um, uh, making, you know, having, having something uh, uh, more interesting to talk about uh, with them um, that we didn't think we'd get to do with a judge. Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's going to be, I think, a lot harder to win this case against a judge who's going to strictly see things black and white by the law as opposed to being able to play to a jury who is going to be open to, you know, a lot more of their feelings behind why we allegedly did what we did um, and, you know, speak to them about basically that. I mean, a judge is... I, I feel... However, it is Abbotsford, and it is full of... It, Are the the, the jury selection will be from Abbotsford, correct, yes. That's a that's big farm country for yeah. people who don't know. Uh, you can't drive through Ab Abbotsford without plugging your nose. It yeah. stinks. But, I mean, even the people in Abbotsford and even, you know, the general public, if you are a meat eater, I still believe that if you're a meat eater, you have the right to know where your quote-unquote food comes from. Um, and currently they don't, and I don't think that you know, the general public knows that they don't have the right to know where their food comes from. They don't have the right to know what goes on behind those closed doors, behind those cement walls. And I think that they would frankly be shocked and disgusted to see what actually does happen and be shocked that they don't actually have the right to know what's going on. Right. When I spoke to you right before, uh, we talked about sort of the media talking points that had been coming to, through the media from the side of the farm these years, you know, same kind of things as we, we love our animals. We, we're, we're a family we're farm. Uh, we we yeah. take pride in our product. That, right. You know, like, you know hardworking, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, our family owns every farm. Right. <laughs> we're all part of a family. So I doing some research, I was reading um, a news story that just came out last week to announce the pretrial, the Abbey News or something like that. And again, uh, Ray Benedike, the owner of the farm, one of the owners, he was quoted as recently saying, we are good people trying to make a good product and raise animals to the best of our ability. Do one of you want to weigh in on that? Uh, there's nothing to respond to. Really. Yeah. It's a meaningless statement. That has a, yet. He's been repeating it's it for it, three yeah, years. Exactly. He thinks it means something. I'm, I'm sure BC Pork or someone, had been, or, you know, someone bigger obviously has drafted that before, and it's not a response to actually saying, hey, look at this horrible stuff you did. Um, he was crying, yeah. though, I remember, that, that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, I think. And, uh, I guess you would be, too, if that was your being exposed. Yeah, but, and he has to process that. What did I do? And how does that look to someone who hasn't been indoctrinated into that system? And he's maybe seen 
his own actions through the eyes of a of a exactly. nonviolent person. Yeah, and I think it's probably the first time he's ever questioned himself as to what he's doing. He's been doing this his entire life, as a lot of the farmers in. And he trains his young now. sons to do this. Exactly, and the I've kids have been doing it. it. So it's indoctrination. It's something that they've been doing their entire lives. He probably really does believe that what he's doing is right, and he's a good person. And, I mean, we can't fault him for that that fact because it's something he's grown up with his entire life, and he probably does believe that. But having us there on that day and making him actually question what he's doing and seeing this from the views of other people, you know, hopefully through this whole process, it might open his eyes to the fact that what he's doing is not right. Um, he's had three years for a reality check. It's true, he has. Right. Yeah. So I just want to mention that uh, you four have a website, and Nick, that you're an extremely talented video- videographer and filmmaker. Oh, and <laughs> I, so that that uh, YouTube video that you sent me last week, it's on mm-hmm. our website oh, right now, animalvoices.org. If you go to the post for today, April 8th, 2022. If uh, if listeners want to catch up on this whole case, we've covered it before at least three times. Just type in Excelsior 4 or meet M-E-A-T, the victims at animalvoices.org. Finally, uh, Roy, can you let us know how listeners can support the work that you're doing in this case right now? The easiest thing to do is go to that website, excelsior4.org, and see what, uh, what things we have that they can do. They can also follow us on Twitter, the Excelsior 4 uh, for whatever updates we can give regarding um, pre-trial. We haven't really written anything up together yet. Um, and the actions on that uh, website, I should mention, the main thing, we're writing to the Ministry of Agriculture. We've already, obviously, Frank and Kira and, and all you guys hit the SPCA to put the pressure on them to uh, follow up their words with action and, and say we're going to step down. We're writing to the Ministry of Agriculture to say the SPCA um, you, you know, you ought to cooperate with them in stepping down and creating a government uh, accountable government agency that can at least enforce the weak laws that we have now. Uh, we have a petition on the go that uh, at this point, I'm not sure if we're going to get uh, BCSPCA to recommend charges against Excelsior, but the petition is for that purpose. Uh, who knows what will happen with, uh, with enough pressure. Um, and lastly, we have a, a GoFundMe to help with our legal fees, and we're selling uh, these great T-shirts um, as well. T-shirts. So, and they're, at, they're now at Vegan Supply Friend and Foe. They're Grinning Goat in Calgary, uh, Fort Point based in Kelowna, and Burke Hair Lounge in Kelowna. And we're looking for more retailers who might carry them as well. Uh, and of course, you can order them online. Thank you so much for that, Roy. We are out of time. I want to give my heartfelt thanks to you, Roy Sassano. Nick Schaefer, two of the Excelsior Four here today, Amish Serrano and Jeff Regeer also, who I hope are listening. And Kira, thank you for, do you want to just clarify your last name? I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, Kira Cheeseboro. Thank you, Kira, for coming today as well to give your input. And of course, Frank Metivier, the vigorous vegan vagabond. So big applause to you all. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, when that publication ban comes <laughs> off, I need you all here right away. <laughs> all right? I'd love to. All right. We need a three-hour show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will do what is needed. You've been listening to the Animal Voices radio show on 100.5 FM, Vancouver, Co-op Radio, and Unseated in Ancestral, Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. To close the show today, in honor of the pigs, I am playing a song written and performed by activist Ryan Phillips. It's called A Call to Stand Up for Pigs, Rise Up, Shut It Down Anthem. Stay tuned next for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today. And remember to be kind to the animals. Mud on the trucks is too down. The first damn time they seen the sky. You try to close your eyes, but you can't deny the sadness in their eyes. Oh
Hear a lot of police try to show us back. They violate our rights and violently attack. I stand up to the corruption they back. But we won't back down. Got justice on our side. We'll never forget.